Please know uh, Dr. Dave and Mary Jo Williams. Uh, almost everybody's got their hand up. I, I won't go into the big formal long introduction, but um, please look at their website and the ministry. Man, they are doing great things. Um, just wonderful, wonderful ministry. They've been here now. This is the third time in our church. You guys are really going to get blessed. Also, um, Dr. Dave will be sharing in the, our missionary conference tonight at 6 o'clock here in the church. Um, I know you've all signed up for that already. Um, I'm not going to get into something. I want to give him the floor. So, Pastor Dave, Dr. Dave, please come forward and share with us. Blessings. Thank you, Pastor Neil. Hey, everybody. Thank you, Pastor Brenda and Brian, for inviting me. I didn't know if I'd get invited back with the new pastor, you know, but uh, how about that roll-on anointing oil? That is for when you're praying for somebody you don't really want to touch. <laughs> you just roll it on. Praise the Lord. It's so good to be here. It's good to see so many friends. And thank you, Amy, for the worship. That's got to be a, that's got to be pretty amazing as, you know, I felt sorry for her yesterday at the banquet. You know, I'm talking, droning on and on and on. And she's, can't take it. Can't take the preacher. But uh, I saw uh, Danae. Up here, and we saw Dominic on the way in. They traveled to Los Angeles with us when we were at Angeles Temple. And then they traveled up to San Clarita Valley where we ministered in another church there. It was just great having them along. And you should have seen those guys down on Skid Row. I mean, Skid Row in L.A. is like a Skid Row you've never seen before. Uh, the minute you step out, there is a smell in the place. And uh, they gave out hot dogs and potato chips and fed the homeless and the hungry. And it was just such a great trip. I thank you for allowing four of your members to go with us anyway. It was such a wonderful time. And God's doing something at Cornerstone. You know, every time, every time Mary Jo and I come up here, we talk about how much we love the people of this church. We've never met a nasty person at Cornerstone. There are only eight really nasty people in the whole state of Michigan. <laughs> They just get around a lot, you know, and but but somehow you take care of them before we get here. And from my heart, thank you for having us back. And another thing I want to thank you for is for the way you help your pastor succeed. I wrote the book, and it was a bestseller called How to Help Your Pastor Succeed. And so some people look at me as an expert in helping pastors succeed. Thank you for helping your pastor succeed. You helped Pastor Neil, and now you're helping Pastor Brenda. Thank you. Give yourself a hand. Well, I met Jesus in 1971. It was November 22nd, a Monday evening. It was sort of a setup by these Christian guys on the, on the ship. I was in the Navy, and I told them one Sunday, if you ever need a ride to church, because they were always talking about their church, and that's what you should be doing. You go out there and you're always talking about your church. I found that the people that are out there after service going to the restaurant saying, well, did you hear what Pastor Brenda said? Do you agree with that? And then start, people overhear that. You know what? And it not only affects your family, it affects more people than you realize. Can you find 
five good things about Cornerstone? Mary Jo and I can, the minute we walk in here, the anointing of the Holy Spirit's here. The presence of God is in this place. The favor of God is on this place. You are on the ground floor of something big that God is doing in Michigan. I just found out last night that Beulah was started by Christians. Let's take it back. What do you say? That every loss comes to Christ. Everyone that needs delivered gets delivered. Everyone that needs healing gets healed. Let those healing rooms become famous like John G. Lake. Thank you so much, Mike and Anna, for, for uh, Mary Jo. We went to your store yesterday. And uh, what a beautiful, that's my kind of store. I bought Cavita. Uh, you know, we bought more than, they gave us a certificate to their store. It was so precious. And, and look at now. And I know why. He honors generosity. And uh, if, you, if you've never been to the creation farm uh, in Beulah, it's in such a beautiful location. they got good stuff. Anointing oil that you can roll on. Wow. <laughs> what a thought. Okay. But anyway, I believed all the right things, but I was going to hell. I believed in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Blessed Virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, not for his sin, but for my sin, or the sin of the world, really. And, uh, and that he was raised from the dead, ascended to heaven, and promised to come again. I believed that. And if my heart were to quit beating, I would have gone to hell. I would have gone to the dungeons of the damned to await the great white throne judgment. Because... My believe my actions were not in harmony with what I believed. In other words, I did not experience being born again. There are people that know they must be born again. They can quote the Bible, but yet they've never been born again. And so though they were religious all their life and moral people, the minute they die, they find out they didn't really know Jesus in a personal way. And some of you may be in that condition today. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the close of this service. And you, you just think about it. If you don't know for sure if your heart would quit beating or Jesus would come, that you're ready to meet him, I know how to pray a miracle prayer with you, and I'm willing to do that. But that night, November 22nd, was a Monday night Bible study. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California, 85 miles, 75, 80 miles north of San Diego, and uh, that night when that pastor asked the question, I raised my hand and people tackled me. Praise the Lord, brother. And they started talking all this language I didn't understand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Maranatha. Agape. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And it was the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. How many remember the day you were born again? The day you submitted to Jesus Christ. Isn't that a day you'll always remember? Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. We're going to make a pronouncement if you got your bible and i know so many of you uh carry iphones and ipads and electronic notebooks and all that that's what your bible is on whatever you have your bible on hold it up and uh, if you didn't bring a bible then hold up the person standing next to you because we're supposed to be living epistles right let's make this declaration say i believe the bible, I believe the 
It is God's word. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe that book. It shows me the way to heaven. Through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That book is filled with treasures. Promises and assets. That belong to me by faith. Today faith will come. My faith will grow. And I will release my faith. For miracles in my life. I declare that devil bound. Unable to pluck up the seed. That's planted in my heart this day. God open the eyes of my understanding. Give me ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Give me a heart to obey. And help Pastor Dave. Preach real simple. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for having Mary join me back in our, our prayer team. There's no place in the world we'd rather be than right here with you. Thank you. You know, it's often just the little things that make such a big difference in our lives. I read an article last year. It was a 20th anniversary of a train wreck out in Arizona. The train started out in Orlando. It was headed for L.A. It was called Amtrak's Sunset Limited. It just snaked through the Gila Road Mountains. And stop and think how many spikes are in railroad tracks between Orlando and L.A. A couple million. And something went wrong. 1.23 a.m., the desert stillness. This is what was in the paper, the Arizona Republic. It happened October 9th. 1995, 21 years ago, to this day. It said the desert stillness was broken by a grinding crash as engines jumped the tracks. With a sickening scream of torn metal, both engines and eight cars left the rail, and some of them toppling down an embankment. It was a fatal crash. Many were seriously injured. One guy that was just about to retire died, never went home to his family. And when they investigated, they found that just 29 spikes out of the 2 million or so spikes, just 29 had been removed, and they called it sabotaged, and sabotaged, and the 29 spikes that somebody removed from the railroad track caused that horrible accident. Just 29 out of a couple million or more. You know, it's often just the little things that make the big difference. I know American Airlines, they realized that a lot of people weren't eating the olives in first class. Olives were one of the garnishments on the plate. So they said, well, why are we even 
serving olives if over 90% of the people aren't eating them anyway. And so they cut olives off of the plates and they saved $6 million that year just on something as small as an olive. Well, it was February 1979. Mary Jo and I sat in our very first missions convention. Pastor Snook, our pastor at Mount Hope Assembly of God, was having a missions convention. We had never heard of it. Now, we were double tithing. We had all we committed right from the start. We're going to give 20% to God. We had 10% going to our ministry, 10% to the church. But we had never been to a missions convention. And I was so glad that Pastor Snook introduced it to us. And it came time for the faith promises, and Mary Jo and I looked at each other. We were so tight for money. We said, and he asked us, just pray what God wants you to do, because a faith promise is, it's faith. You believe you hear what God says, you write it down, and then if God provides it through you, you give it, which God always ended up providing. And so we made a faith promise. Our first, first faith promise was $2 a week. Now, when you're making $125 a week, and out of that $125, $25 is going to tithe because we're tithing to the church and tithing to our our little ministry, we, were, we had radio broadcasts. And, and now we've added two more dollars to that. No medical insurance, no nothing, but we had made the commitment that if we have to live in a cardboard box to meet this, we'll do it. Now God must have seen that commitment and blessed us for it. For it, because it started this young pastor. It was two years later I became pastor of Mount Hope Church, Mount Hope Assembly of God, that we changed the name to Mount Hope Church. And our first year, I said, We are going to have a missions convention. This is beyond the tithes, beyond regular offerings. This is what will you believe God will use you to do for missions? And you know, the first year, I thought it was 35000 but the mission secretary of that time said, Pastor Dave, you're wrong. It was 3500 So $3,500 the first year. Now, remember, it all started with $2 a week. That was our introduction. It's often the little things that have the biggest impact on your future. And then... When I retired from pastoring and moved into the ministry we're in now, after 30 years, a little over 30 years, they had a big honor celebration. And the mayor was there, the congressman was there, the district officials were there, and the place was packed out. And they wanted to honor Mary Jo and me. And when they announced that during our 30 years, our church had given $40 million to missions. I didn't believe it. I thought they were embellishing. I This is the truth. After that, I went to a CPA, Certified Public Accountant. I said, would you check and see if that's true? 
because I figured it might have been about 25 or 30 million. But remember, it all started with something so small. Our introduction to missions and the promise to give $2 a week to missions. And that CPA came back and he said, Pastor Dave, it was actually more than $40 million. So they were not embellishing. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that it's often just the little things today that make the biggest difference in our tomorrow. Psalm 112 is my text. And you're going to have to either trust me or read it in your Bible. Because all of us want to be disciples of Jesus that leave a fragrance everywhere we go, a fragrance of heaven. There was one disciple of Jesus that just left a stench. That was Judas. He was the selfish, stingy one. But we want to leave a legacy. And I know this, you've got a great future here in Beulah. And we have the power to make heaven rejoice and hell cringe. And here's what I believe for this church. Acceleration, increase, and multiplication. And Pastor Brenda, getting to know you over the course of these couple days, I'm really excited about your vision. And I believe that God is going to begin to unfold it. You see, when we commit to the what, even when it seems impossible, he will, he'll show us the how. Some of you have dreams. You know what they are, but you don't see how they can ever come to pass. God, let God be concerned about the how. You commit to the what, and he'll give you the how. Now, here's what it says. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. How many want your children to be successful everywhere? Well, here's what it says. You fear the Lord and you obey his commands. And then it says an entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Now, how many of you want an entire generation blessed because of your life? Number three, they themselves will be, now does this say this in the Bible? They themselves will be wealthy. And their good deeds will last forever. Everybody's going to remember the good they did. And it says light shines in the darkness for the godly. How many times have you ever needed an answer? You were confused. There seemed to be a fog in your path and you didn't know which way to go. Here it says light is going to shine for you. Now it describes these godly people. It says they are generous, compassionate, and righteous. And we know that our righteousness comes from Jesus. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Now notice in these passages where it talks about Wealth, it describes the wealthy person as being generous. And here's what we have to know when it comes to, see, there's five kinds of giving in the Bible. There are five different, I used to, you know, lump a lot of them together, but I found five distinct different types of giving. Some 
is seed planting, others is giving. And only one of those are we not to let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. We're to do it in secret. And that is when we help the poor. What Jesus said, when you're doing your alms, that is helping the poor, do it in secret. He said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. But when it comes to the tithe, which is 10%, and then offerings, then here's the five different givings. There's tithes, offerings, the amount you give in an offering is your choice. Then there's alms. We have, we have to help the poor. When the lady's at the store, you know, the, that Christian organization that is so good, I think some representatives will be here tonight. I went to the store, and she was handing out a little shopping list for people to donate tuna fish. And, and, well, I didn't have time to shop, so I just took her over some money, and she was just so thankful. But, it, it, you know, that's the kind of thing. I, I don't get a receipt for that. Those poor people will never know that came from Mary Jo and me. That's the kind of stuff you don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. But tithing, that's the call to every believer. Offerings, the call to every believer. It's what opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessings, according to Malachi 3. And then there's faith promises. We find this in 2 Corinthians, where the Corinthians gave more than they could afford. How do you give more than you can afford? Faith promise. God, I'm going to give you $50 this month for missions. Well, then now it's up to God to supply that $50 if that's what he put on your heart. So, so then there's, so you got tithes, offerings, alms, faith promises, and then first fruits. First fruits, a lot of times in the Old Testament you read tithes and first fruits, meaning they're two different things. And the first fruits always went to the priests. It was like the first of your harvest. It brought it, they brought it to the pastor and said, look, look, we've got 10 pumpkins this year, and here's the first pumpkin that came out. Here's a pumpkin for you, pastor. It was a way of honoring the men. And the, well, back then it was men of God. It was just a way of honoring it. That's the... And I've found that when these five things are in place in our lives, all of a sudden, God starts blessing our children, just greasing the path for them. To, they, and things start happening that are unusual because we become unusual people when we participate in these things. And it's not about getting money or getting blessings. It's about what we're becoming Everything is about what we're becoming and what we're attracting into our lives. Because we don't attract what we want. We attract what we become. And that's why it's important to become something on the inside so we can attract something on the outside. It's a spiritual law. And then it says in verse 6, such people, that is these generous people, will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will long be remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They're confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. How many of you have ever had enemies? Oh my goodness. I mean, enemies aren't just... Jesus said, beware of men. There are some people that have aligned with the devil... And really became enemies. They 
try to make your life nothing but trouble. And Jesus said, pray for your enemies. I do. Lord, break their neck. <laughs> and, and then here it is again. They freely share and generously give. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They'll have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. You're going to receive influence and you're going to receive honor because of your generosity. And it says the, the wicked, that is the twisted, will see it. They'll see the way God has blessed you and they're going to be infuriated. Why does everything? I remember a pastor said that. You know, he, he, um, we, he was pretty close to our town. And whenever it was offering time or pastor appreciation time, Mary Jo and I were quick to write out a check, even if we couldn't afford it. We'd write out a check. And he was back there sitting at district council griping. Why did they always want money? Money, money, money. Well, do you ever hear anybody say, why does the casino always want your money? No, they don't say that. All the casino wants is your money. I've never heard people say all the shop and save wants is your money. Well, all that marathon station wants is your money. They should be giving free gas to everybody. Come on. No, but the devil stirs up people like Judas to say all the church wants is your money. And you talk about money, they say, see, but the truth is nothing is about money. I said it yesterday at the leadership meeting. Nothing's really about money. Everything is about responding to the Holy Spirit. Nothing is about money. Our mission isn't money. Our mission is the mission. But it takes money to operate the mission. But it's not about money. It's about God's people's obedience and responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. It works real different in the kingdom than it does out there in the world. Now, here's what happened. I started uh, as pastor with 125 members. We had 226 attenders, and I didn't have any training to be a pastor. I didn't know how to be a pastor. The fact is, I never wanted to be a pastor. But I've always wanted to obey God. And I knew it was God's will, even though I didn't know how to pastor. But one thing I did know how to do is teach people to plant seeds. And so I, I said, what we're going to do from now on, we're going to take maps trips and go build churches for other people. And we're not just going to build the churches. We're going to send money ahead so the building materials are there when our team gets there. And so we started raising money for that. And believe it or not, there were people in the church saying, we're going to become the poor church. We're helping everybody else, but we're going to become the poor church. I said, watch what happens, Psalm 1. Do you believe God? Are you going to believe the voice of those birds whispering in your ear? Because it's the birds that steal the seed. You read the parable of the sower, those birds come down and take the seed that's planted in you. They try to destroy God's Word, the working of God's word in your life. Thorns choke it out. And <laughs> so I said, we're going to do that. And I came to the church. 
And I said, and also, we're going to start tithing on the tithe that comes in the church. I said, we expect people to tithe, then the church ought to be tithing. So we tithed to missions, and we also did map trips, and then we started doing faith promise night. So people could make a faith promise, and this is really where I found to listen to the Lord. I started learning to discern the Lord's voice during missions convention. God, what are you going to have us to do this year for missions? Not my tithe, not my giving to the poor, not first fruit, not regular offerings, but beyond what I can afford. And Mary Jo and I always prayed, and we started hearing the Lord. And believe me, it was scary sometimes. So I did that, all right? Now, you fast forward, the church began to grow by 30%, and 54%, 56%. And the question is, was that a coincidence? Or was that the promises of God found in Psalm 112 for the people that will be generous? It says influence and honor will come to that person. Well, did influence and honor come to us at Mount Hope Church? I mean, to go from 226 to over 4,000 and then 43 daughter churches planted in Michigan. Then we started our, our satellite churches around the city. And then people that graduated from our school started a church in uh, Ivory Coast, West Africa that grew to 300 churches. And then Ray Calusa who uh, was a pace-setting leadership graduate, began a church in Iloilo, Philippines, right on the city dump. We sent over a prayer team, sent over medical teams, sent over a building team. That church grew to 200 churches to where uh, by the time I retired as, as pastoring, there were over 100,000 Mount Hope Church members from that original 125 members and 226 attenders. Was that a coincidence or was that the blessing of the Lord of influence and honor because we became a generous church? I believe Cornerstone, God's got his hand on this church. And it's his hand of love, mercy, grace, favor, anointing, power, and wisdom on this church because this church is like the, the hub of, I mean, what, what, you go 10 miles one way, you're at a city. 10 miles another way, you're at a city. 10 miles the other way, you're at a city. 10 miles the other way, you're at the city. God puts you right here in this hub because he's sending out the, spoke, the spokes of the fire of his anointing and Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel to all these cities right around Cornerstone. And he said, I'll give you influence and honor. I went to the Secretary of State to get my driver's license renewed, and they gave me a test. It was a time I had to take. I took the test, and, and here's this guy with little half glasses that I heard it in, and he looked at me, and he wadded up the test without looking at it, threw it, threw it in the wastebasket. And I thought, oh, no, he's not an anti. And he looked at me and said, you're Reverend Williams, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, good. And he said, did, and he named a guy, did he come to see you? And I said, no, why? Well, he came in here to get a license, and his eyes were really glassy. I sort of thought he was on drugs. And I told him, I'm not giving you a license until you go talk to Pastor Williams 
over at Mount Hope Church, and he gives the approval for you to get a driver's license. He said, you need some help. He said, did he come? And I said, no. And he says, I didn't think he probably would. And boom, he gave me my new license, and away I went. I thought, I didn't even know this guy. And he's sending people to me to give approval for their driver's license? I went back and I told him all the people that had missed church for about three months. And I said, I said, they don't need a driver's license anymore. <laughs> and then the mayor calls me up and he says, Pastor Williams, will you be the grand marshal in the Memorial Day parade for the city and then be our speaker at the city cemetery this year? And I said, why do you want me? And he said, because I want somebody that represents God to lead so that God knows I want him in this town. Can you imagine picking this guy that wasn't even qualified to be a pastor to be the grand marshal? And so Mary Jo and I are riding in our limousine, waving at her, Pastor Dave Williams, grand marshal, Memorial Day parade. I preached at the, 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 the cemetery, preached Jesus. Him crucified and rose from the dead. And to have city council members come over and say, Pastor, please don't ever leave our city. And the next year, the Michigan Senate and representatives, the Michigan, uh, whatever they call it, the assembly, uh, honored me with a, and I, I didn't even know they were doing this. Uh, they honored me with a declaration saying that David R. Williams, pastor of Mount Hope Church, has been declared the one to have the most, here's what they called it, religious influence in the state of Michigan. I got this big, long declaration saying that I had the greatest religious influence in the state of Michigan that year. Now, that's honor, that's influence. It's influence when judges start calling and saying, I've got a tough case and I really need God's help. Would you pray for me? It's an honor when doctors start sending people to the healing rooms. You know, in our place, you know, a lady came and she said, I have a snake in my head. Could you get it out? She said, I've been to doctor after doctor. And finally, the last doctor I went to said, your only hope is to go to Mount Hope Church and have them get that out of you. Well, of course, doctors don't cast out demons. Godly, spirit-filled people cast out demons. So she came and got the demon cast out. And then the snake was gone. You see, honor and influence comes to those who are generous. That was the promise of the Bible. And the question I ask, is that all a coincidence that that happened in Lansing, Michigan? The same thing that's going to happen in Beulah, Michigan? And greater... Was it a coincidence or was it God keeping his promise? You know what I believe? I believe 100% it was God keeping his promise. Influence, honor, successful children. All this is attached to generosity. And so I thought, even if I don't know how to be a pastor, I know how to be generous. And we taught people to be generous at Mount Hope Church. And you know what I've discovered? You go, you see, this is an Assemblies of God church, and we were too. And uh, 
I went back and looked at our history, and do you know I found out that five-sixths, five-sixths of our reason for being, 1914, was to be the most effective missions organization on the face of the earth. And we have become that. There is no greater missions organization than ours. And Lauren Triplett, when he was missions director, asked me to come and speak in Springfield to a bunch of people. And so I went, and I'm, I'm speaking. I said, you know, the Bible says give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And I'm just telling them the blessings that were happening up to that point in our church by our connection with missions. And some guy, actually, Mary Jo was there. Some guy in the back said, that sounds like Tulsa theology. I said, I don't care what ology you call it. To me, it's Luke 6.38 ology. You know, if you quote a Bible, Bible verse and then have them yell, it sounds like Tulsa. What is Tulsa theology? Uh, I'll tell you what. My son graduated from Oral Roberts University. That was in Tulsa. Mary Jo and I were with Oral Roberts before he went to heaven and in his home. And so what, what, what's, what's this thing about Tulsa? People will tell you, well, this is what they say. And then you listen to their own, you listen to the CDs, or back then tapes, and you find out they didn't say that at all. They use the same doctrine book that we use, the PC Nelson book. And, and, and people are always trying to steal something from you. The devil tries to use people to steal something from you. And how many know the devil doesn't want you to have influence and honor? The devil doesn't want you to your children to succeed. The devil doesn't want you to have things in life. And so he sends birds to grab out the seeds. Well, don't believe that in Psalm 112 because that's in the Old Testament and we're under the New Testament now. Oh, so the New Testament's a worse testament than the Old Testament. No, when I saw this in the Bible... All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If I am in Christ Jesus and that promise is in Psalm, that promise is for me in Psalms. And so Psalm 112, the promise of blessings, of generosity. And I don't want to keep you long because everybody wants to go out to eat. <laughs> But our whole history is about missions. It's about going, going into all the world and preaching the good news. Any place, any price. And even though, you know, I never had a, I've made my share of missions trips, but it's, I'm not called to be that kind of missionary. But believe me, Mary Jo and I support the people that are called. And so we go by giving a part of our lives Financially, we were born for missions, and we were born again for missions. I re remember Shel Silverstein, that poet. He wasn't a Christian poet, but he, he had one, one piece of poetry that I loved, and it was this. The saddest sight I ever did see was a woodpecker pecking up a plastic tree. The woodpecker looked up and said to me, Friend, things aren't as sweet as they used to be. 
You know, why? You're pecking up the wrong tree. You're pecking up a plastic tree instead of a wood tree. And you know what pecking up a plastic tree is? It's when we peck up our own ideas, our own opinions, or opinions that people have given us instead of pecking up the tree God said to pick up. That's why things aren't the same. And when an organization, you know, there, there was a time 50% of our churches weren't even given to missions. And you know which ones they were? They were the ones that were in decline. Because they said, well, we can't afford to give to missions. Now we know why they were in decline. Now picture this. God runs a big adoption agency in heaven. And if anybody knows about adoption, the people in this church do. <laughs> Dave and Lynette and Tom and Amy and, Brent and Pastor Brenda and Brian, you know about adoption. Now, God knows who's going to get born again, doesn't he? He knows the people. Now, where do you, what kind of a church do you think he'd want to place them in? A church that is stingy and selfish and will never be honored or have influence because of their stingy and selfishness. A church that has a fragrance of generosity or a church that has the stench of stinginess and selfishness. Now stop and think. If you were a parent and you had to adopt a child, you would want that child to go into the very best family, the family that... Honored your values. Well, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Father give good gifts unto those who ask? And the Father, when he sees somebody's going to be born again in a 50-mile radius, he wants it to happen here. Because you're going to focus on the things that are important to God. We found just uh, such a natural growth factor just by our connection with missions. That's why we have 50 flags flying up International Lane into the church to, to let people know what our purpose is. We're not going to be pecking up plastic trees. And the craziest things happen. When we made the decision to start tithing on the tithe and then taking faith promises for missions, and sending ahead money for MAPS teams, building other churches, we even gave money to other churches when we needed it ourselves. Because I taught the staff and the board and our people that if we have a need, we don't start trying to figure out how people are going to meet our need. We plant a seed out of our need and then God will supply that need. And what happened? You know, I gave an altar call one Sunday after that and this lady with nine inch heels and a mini skirt, a little leather mini skirt and I won't describe the rest but Gave the altar calls and she popped up there to the altar. And she had more makeup on than you would figure Jezebel would wear. I mean, it was just caked on. And I wondered, is this some lady in a play? Or I even had another thought. Is this a drag queen? Uh, you know, I didn't, didn't know. And, and so 
we prayed the prayer of salvation, and my thought was, I'll bet that one won't stick. I, did, I didn't say it, you know, but everybody got a new life book, and one of the, somebody talked with her and prayed with her, and one of my staff members walked, came up and said, Pastor Dave, do you know who that was? I said, no. He said, that was Lynn. She's a famous prostitute from Rudder Park. And I looked at him and I said, how did you know that? <laughs> so my former staff member, <laughs> and it turned out it was true. The next week she was in church. She had a guy on her left side and a guy on her right side. People that were coming to her, instead of turning a trick, that's what they call it, now, I've got to be careful what I say because, you know, in some churches, it, it's the little things that make the big difference. I said darn one time from the pulpit. I said that darn Adam, you know, or something like that. And there was an 80-year-old retired Assemblies of God minister that just started almost having a heart attack, you know. And, and I just have never been real picky on that stuff. But, but, um, but I, so to not offend him, when he's in the service, I'm use extra caution. I probably wouldn't say turning a trick if he was there. Although he, he would probably think it was a magic trick or something, you know. But but she would bring the guy the guys that would come to her, you know, her customers, she would bring them to church and that the second week after being saved, she's got one guy in one arm, another guy in the other arm, marching them up to the altar to, to be prayed for. She became such a godly woman, found a good husband, had a family, and she went from being a prostitute to being a woman of God. And all kinds of things like that started happening. The kinds of people that other churches don't want them to show up at their church. I said, Lord, give us whoever. So I'm preaching on the reprobate road, and there's a guy sitting right where you guys are sitting today. He started screaming and manifesting. The ushers, they knew what to do. They took him out and ministered to him and cast devils out of him. Got him born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Turns out he was a backslidden preacher, lost his church, lost his family, was involved in homosexual sin, and, uh, and he manifested in church. Got born again, got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he led, this is the truth, Mike was his name. He led a hundred new people to Jesus in our church. What I'm saying is God wants to give the church that has God's heart, that has God's heart for the world. God will give people. He's going to, number one, bless your children. He's going to give you honor and influence. And he's going to bring people to the church to be born again and disciples. Because you have the Father's heart. Isn't that kind of cool? You know, I know I could go on. And I don't even think I got to part of my notes this morning. But you do that to me up here. You know that? You just pull it out. Here's what I know. It's the little things. Often the little things. And tonight when we have the banquet, there's not going to be any pressure for anybody to make a faith promise to missions. But if God moves on your heart, 
This is the truth. Mary Jo and I, we were praying one time. This was, what, 15 years ago. So th this was a lot of money. And we said, God, what do you want us to give to missions this year? And I thought, I thought the Lord said $50,000. This is personal. $50,000. I said, mm-hmm. I said, Mary Jo, what are you getting? He says, I think God wants, to give it, wants us to give $50,000 this year. And I said, no. <laughs> you know, the first, the first thing you want to do is get out your calculator. How is that possible? That's more than I'm going to keep. But we wrote out that faith promise that we will, with God's help, give $50,000 to missions this year. And we, we did. We, we were faithful. We've, we finally gave $25,000, and we had no idea how we were going to get the other $25,000. This is the truth. I am an amateur at this. If you were ever in our Wealthy Place conference or Club 52, you know this. I was fooling around on the computer, and I saw this company. And the Lord said, buy that. And I said, Lord, it was penny stock. It was 25 cents a share. I said, I never buy penny stocks. And here's what I found out. The Holy Spirit never adjusts to me. Do you find that? I had to adjust to him. Because he said it again, buy that. And I said, how much? And he said, 10,000 shares. 10,000 shares, that'll be $2,500. He didn't adjust to me again. Buy that. Okay, so I scraped up $2,500 and bought that at $25 a share. And I thought, surely this, is, I, I got to be nuts. What was it? Just two weeks, like two weeks later. I said, I think I'll check that stock. I checked it. It was $3 a share. I now had $30,000. This is Mr. Williams. Count number. Blah, 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 blah. I want to uh, sell the shares of this company. And I gave him the, you know, the sticker, uh, the ticker number. It says, okay, Mr. Williams. Well, you're going to be happy to know that from the time you gave the execution Till the time I was able to execute it, it went up to three fifty a share. So you'll be getting $35,000. Thank you. $35,000. And then I checked it the next week. It was down to a dollar something. I said, how did the Holy Spirit do that? Now I had $35,000. So $32,500 after the original $2,500. I had enough to tithe now. And I had enough to buy a new car. And I thought, mm-mm. Now, the Lord provided that. That was him. I just wrote out that check for $25,000 so fast and ran it over to the county. I said, take it before I'm tempted to do something. And, you know, even though God provided it, now he counts that as my seed for another harvest. God is so amazing when we really believe him. But when we listen to the birds, listen to the birds. I'm going to take that seed right, right out of you. Take that out of you. <laughs> so it's the little things that make the big difference in our future. And maybe you're here today and maybe you've never made a faith promise in your life. Tonight's your opportunity if you come to the banquet, if you want to. Nope, there will be no pressure. 
I'll just share a few things tonight with you if you want. But the real point is, you know, that was a little thing in 1971, November 22nd, when I took the, gave those guys a ride to church. They were always talking about their church, and so finally me, I couldn't take it anymore. I wanted to see that church. And I gave him a ride to that church, and I heard a presentation like I'd never heard before. That preacher sat up there for 90 minutes, verse by verse, in Daniel chapter 2. And by the time that ended, and he asked how many would like to have this new life, and I raised my hand. And you know what? It changed the future, not just of my life, but the tens of thousands of lives that have come through Mount Hope Church, the 100,000-plus lives that have been saved and became a part of one of the Mount Hope churches, either in West Af South Africa, West Africa, um, Asia, or the United States. With that one little decision I made, it seemed so small at the time, but God said, you give your broken life to me. And I'll give you a life that really will be worth living. And he did it for me, and he'll do it for you too. Now let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, we thank you that you've made such amazing promises to us. That the generous will have honor and influence, and their children will be blessed everywhere they go. Blessings will be chasing those kids down. But Lord, some of us here today, we, we've gotten off track and we need to come back to you. And some here today may have never remembered the time in their life when they were. They said, Lord, I'm tired of my selfishness and sin and I want the only solution. Now God gave a plan and that plan is his son Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody will ever get to heaven but by me. Now you can think, you can pray it at home, but there's an anointing here today. There's an anointing here today, and I know how to pray a miracle prayer that will give you the assurance that your sins are forgiven, that you're going to heaven. Now look, time is really short now. I said yesterday there's compelling evidence that we may be the generation that sees the return of Christ. Everything is happening so fast now. And someday the door will go closed like it did in Noah's day. God closed the door even though they pounded on the door. Let me in. Noah couldn't let him in because Noah didn't close the door. God closed the door. And Jesus said in Matthew 25, they that were ready went in. I want all the people, all my friends up here, your honest people, honest and hardworking. I want to see you in heaven. How many remember the time in your life when you gave your heart to Jesus? You're born again. You're going to heaven. There's not a sin, nothing between you and God right now. Slip your hand way up high. Thank you. Thank you. Several people did not raise their hands because you didn't want to add to the sin load by lying to the preacher. Listen, I know how to pray a miracle prayer. If you're away from God today, if you knew him at one time, but you walked away, I know how to bring you back. If you're here and you've never, never given your life to Jesus, 
and you're willing to, I believe today could be a miracle moment for you. And I will pray for you. Now, if you think you'll do this later, the anointing is here now. Do it now. I don't care if you have a hot flash or whatever. You better do it now. I mean it because God loves you so much, but he can't put up with sin. And the only solution for sin is his son Jesus and what he did on the cross. 30 seconds. This is a little thing. 30 seconds out of your day, we're going to pray this miracle prayer, and you're going to have a brand new start beginning now. At the count of three, you want me to pray that miracle prayer with you. You lift your hands up. You'd say, Pastor Dave, would you pray for me? I want to be sure there's not a sin, nothing between God and me. I want to make sure everything is okay between God and me. I want to be sure I have a home in heaven when I leave this life or when the trumpet sounds and the believers are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I want to be sure I have a home in heaven. Count of three, slip your hand up. Ready? One, two, three, right now. Thank you, thank you. Everyone with an upraised hand, stand to your feet as fast as your legs will take you. No devil can stop you. They're all bound in this place right now. Stand to your feet if you raised your hand. Now, now all those that are standing, come on down here with me for just a minute. Come on down. Come on down. And, you know, now you're hearing the music just as I am. And God bless you, man. I know it takes a lot of courage, but can you imagine the courage it took Jesus to die on the cross publicly? Hey, look at that. Oh, hey, you're, you're even facing right out to the, to the people, aren't you? God bless you. You know, you're called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, business people. You want to really go places in life, right? We're going to help you. Pray. Somebody else wants in on this, and you didn't get up here. And you, you, you say, well, I'll do this later. I, didn't, I don't know who it is, but I just had a word of knowledge that, that um, if you want if you really wanted in on this, come on down now because you've got 10 seconds to get in on it, then it's over. Uh, and there's no, no shame. We're all friends here, right? It's okay, I'm not gonna uh, we, we're not gonna wait. You see, the anointing is here right now, and God has spoken to you right now to get up here. Do you really want to you really want to go to heaven? Yeah, we all do, don't we? You really want to be successful in life and have influence and honor? I know you do. Let's pray this. I we'll, we're all going to help you out. I'm going to lead you in the prayer, but you got to mean it from your heart, okay? Say this with me. Say, "Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. And I believe you died on the cross for me." Forgive me of all my sins and anything I've ever done, said or thought that offended you. I'm sorry for the way I've ignored you. I believe you are the Son of God and you were raised from the dead. Forgive me. Lord Jesus, forgive me. And give me a brand new start, a clean slate, beginning now. Thank you, Lord. I'm saved. I have a home in heaven and a brand new start in life, beginning now.
Amen. Amen. Now let, let me let me tell you guys something. You know that takes a lot of courage for somebody to get out of their seat and come down. But Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. Right now your names are ringing out on all the loudspeakers in heaven. And the angels are having a pizza party right now and rejoicing in all this. I pray the Lord fill you with the Holy Spirit, grant you special gifts and anointings. I pray that he help you have dreams that you can pursue, that he can make come true for you. And however many sins were on your sin calculator, you didn't have that many, did you? You had more than him. I'm just kidding. I had more than all of you put together. I guarantee I had 77 billion 543 million 673,514 and a half. The half of one because I was getting ready to sin after church, but I ended up getting saved instead. And you know what he did on that sin calculator right now? Jesus just walked over and hit the clear button. There's a big zero there. And that's why, you know, are you going to be perfect from now on? Of course not. Is everything going to be peaches and cream? Of course not. But now you got Jesus in you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's out there in the world. Now you go do something with the Holy Ghost all over you, okay? Can Give them a big congratulations. Well, let's all stand. And I know if, if some of you need ministry, I'm sure there will be ministers around here if you need ministry. But I'm going to pray a blessing right now and then turn it back to Pastor. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the wonderful people that have gathered here this morning. I thank you for the sincere and honest hearts of the people of this area, you, my brother, and you, my sister. I pray for you now that where you hurt, God will bring a miracle healing to your life. I pray that where you face a tangled up mess of trouble, that the one who comes to undo the works of the devil right now begins to untangle that. I call it to be untangled in Jesus' name. And you who have had a long time prayer, you've been persistent in praying for something. This is the day that prayer is beginning, the answer is beginning to break through to you. I bind every foul spirit of darkness that has hindered you. And I pray that angels surround you. I pray the healing love of God bubble up in you. I pray that a new anointing be upon you, a fresh sense of God's presence upon you. And I pray that the crown of favor will be planted on your head solidly, that wherever you go, wherever you walk, you will have the favor of God. Above all, I pray that you and your family will always keep Jesus enthroned as Lord over your life, your home, your work, and your future. I pray this is a blessing for you, my brother, my sister. 
I speak it because I believe it. And because I believe it, I decree it for your life now. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pastor Brenda. If I can get the altar team to come up front. Dominic, if you could just put on some music so I don't have to call the worship team back up. I don't want you to leave. If you want prayer, the prayer team is up here. Please make your way to the front, and they were, they're here um, to pray for you. So please just come on up if you need prayer for anything. Otherwise, we're going to quietly release you. Don't forget the banquet tonight at 6. Father, right now we just open up these altars for your glory, for you to move, God. For your honor, anointing, Holy Spirit, draw those that need prayer. God, anoint those today to um, just be sensitive to you, your leading, and your power, God. For your glory, for your glory. If you need prayer, slip on up right now. Come, let us see our Lord and King, He's reigning in glory. Lift up your eyes, all earth and sky, His kingdom.